Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth, your host, alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott DeHuff, producing the show. He's right over there. I can see him. Hi, Scott. Hi. Hi. Um, anyhow, great to be with you guys once again uh, as we uh, as we delve into what's going on in the National Football League. Can you feel it, Mike? I mean, it's getting close, right? This is week number... What is this like officially week two, week three, week two, right? Week two. Week two, but we, we we live in Denver and we played the Hall of Fame game, we being the Broncos. So this is week three for us. But officially week two of the preseason, most of it is in the books. We're probably the last team as the Broncos face uh, the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. So week two just about in the books. Um, Can I tell I, you what I'm feeling? What are you feeling? I'm feeling the pain in the ass that is Antonio Brown. Yes, well, that's okay. uh, yeah. every time... We get together the talk. Um, it seems like we start with Antonio Brown. Well, so, that that's because that's the way Antonio Brown wants it, right? And you can tell you can tell the Raiders are. Really, did, did you hear the comments from Mike Mayock? I think to Huff, we we have them. Okay, so this is this is Mayock on Sunday, approaching the media. This wasn't even the media searching like out asking Mike questions, right? This was this was this was Mayock coming up to the assembled media. Go, hey guys, I uh, just want to let you know. That uh, Antonio Brown isn't here, and he goes in the whole helmet issue. Here's the bottom line: he's upset about the helmet issue. Uh, we have supported that. We appreciate that. Okay, but we've at this point we've pretty much exhausted all avenues of relief. So from our perspective, it's time for him to be all in or all out. So we're hoping he's back soon. We got 89 guys busting their tails. We are really excited about where this franchise is going, and we hope AB is going to be a big part of it starting week one against Denver. End of story. No questions. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not opening up for questions right there. You can tell the irritation that he has in his voice right there. Eighty nine other guys are busting their asses, busting their tails here in camp. We got one guy who's choosing not to show up because he's a quote unquote petulant child. 
You know, Dan Orzlovsky's a buddy of mine, played in the league for a long time. I saw this tweet, and I'm just going to steal this comment because it's so apropos. It would be like the guy that walks in to the Verizon store with a flip phone and says, uh, I need that Instagrammer on my flip phone, right? Because I want to do some Instagramming, and I want it on my flip phone. And they're saying, no, you need you know, one of these. You need an iPhone to actually use Instagram. What? That's an outrage. I want Instagram on my flip phone. And they're like, like, dude, your flip phone doesn't have the capabilities technologically to actually use Instagram. I want it on my flip phone. I'm not giving up my flip phone. You're an idiot. Right? I mean, wouldn't you already, had you just come into camp and used an appropriate helmet, one that's certified, wouldn't you theoretically already be used to said helmet? Because you're not the only one. There's probably about 80 or 90 guys who have had to change their helmets. Uh, Two of the names that had to were Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers. Now, I understand there was a grandfather rule last year. This is my understanding of it, and if I'm reading it wrong, um, forgive me. But I understand there was a grandfather rule last year that you said, hey, you got a year to to get into a helmet that is certified now. And so that was last year, and I, my understanding is Antonio Brown's camp is saying, well, can't I use the grandfather rule this year? Like, no, that, that passed. That was last year. Everybody else has to abide by the rule. Why are you singling yourself out? You could be in camp. You could be working in a – I'm on the board of directors for the helmet company Vices. Are you familiar with Vices? They're state-of-the-art. Um, they've taken the crash test, the, the crumple zone tests of, of the auto manufacturers and use that in helmet, in the production of helmets. And their helmets are off the charts with the, with the way they rate, um, with the way they protect the players. Um, and, and you know what? They've done unbelievable. Now, is it a different feel? Yeah, it's a different feel. There's no question that it's a different feel, right? And there's no question that you're going to have to get used to wearing a different helmet. It's a little bit heavier, and they're trying to make it as as close to what guys are are comfortable with. But like anything else, once you get used to it, you'll be fine wearing it. But you can't get used to any helmet unless you know what you do. You should, and this is this kind of a novel concept. This is crazy. You can't get used to any helmet unless you actually show up and practice with the helmet on. I know it's crazy. I mean, that's just stupid, right? Antonio, you talk about the ultimate in petulant child acts. Antonio Brown is just, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. But Stink, does it, does it really matter? Mayock's talking about, are you in or are you out? Is there any doubt in your mind that come opening night, that Monday night game against the, against the Broncos, right. that Antonio Brown is going to show up He's going to be a a mismatch nightmare. And if he goes six catches for 134 yards and a touchdown, all this is going to be forgotten. I think it'll all be forgotten from a media standpoint. It'll all be forgotten about, uh, you know, within kind of within the context of what he's providing for the football team. But But what about within the room? Well, there's going to be some guys that are irritated by him. Like, there are going to be some guys that are just like, yeah, okay, he made big plays, and that's great. As long as he's making big plays, we'll put up with him. But, you know, have one of those times where you just decide you don't need to be at Friday practice or you decide that, uh, you know, you didn't get enough targets and you're flipping Gatorade coolers over and you're smashing things, right? Like, there's going to come a time when there's going to be there's going to be guys that are professionals that have busted their ass or are trying to do something special and change the culture. They're going to look at him and say, dude, like, seriously, 
you are like the most selfish, the most selfish player on the planet. And there's going to be guys that, you know, I mean, you always have in any locker room situation, you always have guys that, you know, you're not going to pick out curtains with, right? You're not, you're not like, Hey, let's room together and, and see where it takes us. Right? There's going to be certain guys that you're going to go your way. They're going to go their way. And, and you don't, <laughs> you don't, you, what? Room together and see where this takes us? Yeah, you know. Whoa, I mean, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, you're like, hey, roomies, yeah. come on. Uh, you know, you're single and you're running the streets and oh, you're together, okay. right? Ah, okay. Right? right? There's, cer- there's certain guys. I thought you guys, like, pretty soon you guys end up spooning or something. I don't know. Well, that's all right. Well, you know, sometimes. Hey, anything wrong with that. No, sometimes it's crazy. Uh, but anyhow, sometimes. Like, We're in the pros. Let's right, experiment. Right. <laughs> There's, there's guys. What is that? Peanut butter? Um, oh my god! Uh, where did this go? Anyhow, long story short, it, you you took me off track, Mike. Come on, I'm just saying. There's sometimes there's certain guys you're not gonna room with, and certain guys that you know that you would get along rooming with. And they're like Antonio Brown may not be a guy that you want to you know you want to room with. Um, but the bottom line is you have to respect one another. There's a lot of guys that I play with that weren't my cup of tea, and I'm sure, Mike, and I, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe, I'm sure that I wasn't a lot of guys' cup of tea. You? Yes. Rubbing somebody the wrong way? Hard to with believe. With your personality? Hard to believe, right? I mean, but Stunned. I could, yeah, I could imagine that, but as soon as things go wrong, right, as soon as something happens that's not right, as soon as, you know, you you don't produce or whatever, is it going to be, well, the guy didn't show up to camp. Well, the guy, you know, the guy has missed meetings. Well, the guy has, like, we have only scratched the surface of all the things that went down in Pittsburgh in regards to his exodus. Like, there, you know, we've heard the missing meetings and we've heard some things. We haven't even scratched the surface of all the things that went down in Pittsburgh. And I know this because I know players that played in Pittsburgh that have told me. You know, so and I'm not going to sell them down the river, but um, bottom line is this guy is, you know, this guy's a selfish. Per- he's just selfish and he's petulant and he's childlike. And um, and at some point, like Mike May said, you know, either shit or get off the pot, either come join us or, or leave. Well, say this for Antonio Brown, uh, the way things are going, at least we know he'll be ready to go week one. I mean. He's not practicing, he's leaving, he's not playing, but he figures to be able to play week one. Same can't be said for Avery Williamson with the Jets, Mm. who is out for the season with a knee injury, and Adam Gase did something that that you don't often hear from a coach. He he came out afterwards and blamed himself. Hindsight's 20-20, I wish I would have got him out of there a series earlier, but, you know, I've talked with him, and... You know, it's all me. You know, I'm, I'm the one that has to make that call and, and get him out of there. But, you know, we didn't, and that's it's a shame because he was, he was having a good camp. Leading tackler for the Jets last year, and this once again brings to the surface the debate that we have all the time during preseason. Right. You know, how much do you play your starters? How much do you run the risk of these guys getting hurt versus getting them ready to go out and play in the season? Yeah, it's always a tough question. Um, the bottom line, Mike, is you cannot like you can't you can't play the game that way. Like, hey, I'm going to play this game not to get hurt. I mean, the probability of you getting injured is 100. You're you're going to get injured, so that's just the way it is. But 
I just don't believe that you can play like, hey, let's try to you know, let's try to be careful out there. When you're out there, you got to go 100 miles an hour. And then when you come off, you come off. And I think players will appreciate Adam Gay saying, hey, man, that's on me. I shouldn't have had him out there that long. But the bottom, the bottom line is you can't you just can't manage the game that way. You never know. When your time is up, it's kind of up. If you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. You know, there are guys that have played, you know, 15, 16 years in this league and never have been seriously. They're all have dings and bruises and bumps and injuries, but not like serious injuries that require missing a season and missing surgery and or having surgery and missing a season, that type of thing. So I, I just don't think you can manage. I, I think the, the point being is, and I always said this about preseason, and, and I approached it from year one to year 12 the same way. The games don't count. They do matter. It matters how you play. And whether I was out for a series or whether I was out for three quarters, I wanted to dominate that series, that three quarters. I wanted to make sure that you knew that if we matched up during the regular season, you were in for a full-day sucker. Like that That's the game that we're going to play and that we're physically going to try to dominate you. And whether I was with, with the Skins or whether I was with um, – you know, Denver, that's the way we approached the preseason, and that's the way the Hogs approached it. When I was a member of the Hogs with the Washington Redskins, that's the way we approached it here in Denver. Um, when we had Terrell Davis and John Elway in the backfield, you know, we wanted to go out there and dominate games and make sure that, hey, whether we face you in the regular season or whether we face you like you're an NFC team and maybe we're going to face you in the Super Bowl, we want to make sure you knew that you were in for a, you know, you're in for a battle. But how much, how much preseason football would you need to honestly be ready to go out and play a regular season Sunday? How how many snaps, how many right. minutes, quarters of preseason right. football see, honestly right. do you think the average football player needs? See, I think this is where, you know, and people always say, well, college you don't need it. In college, you you know, they only practice for what, two weeks or whatever, and then they're off and running, right? Um I think there's a fine balance here because this is not college. There's no blind sisters of the poor playing in the NFL. Every guy is gifted. Every guy is athletically skilled. Every guy is, you know, is, is I mean, he's an NFL player. So there's a difference there. I think that's one of the reasons, Mike, and philosophically speaking, where so many of these teams are doing multiple, multiple joint practices. Right, they're bringing in a team. They're working a couple of days of of preseason with that team, and then they're playing the game. and And oftentimes, what they're doing is they're playing the game. The backups are playing, but the starters are getting a majority of the work during that during that controlled environment session. And I think you'll see more and more teams go to that. Um, late in my career, how much preseason I need? I could have not played any and still been really good. But we practiced twice a day, like we did. Like we, it was different. So. I guess I can't answer that question. I think every guy is different depending on where he is in his career, obviously. But I think ultimately now is there's such limited time and there's so much work that has to be done that I think you're constantly developing players. And I I think the reason that the New England Patriots have been so dominant, one, obviously the world's greatest American, Tom Brady, right? I mean – that pretty much is the number one reason. But I think more than any other team, they do a phenomenal job of developing players as the season um, progresses. So I think where you see them in week one, two, three, and four when they're two and two or whatever, and where you see them in December, it's those second half of the roster guys that have been absolutely incredible. 
well, that's the difference. It's, it seems like a foregone conclusion that we're heading towards only two preseason games and an expansion of up to 18 regular season games. But, there's but a, see, here's what, here's what, which is fine, I, I guess. I mean, you're going to have to negotiate that off. Obviously, it seems like it's coming, though. right? It does seem seems like it's inevitable. coming down the pike. But here's the deal: how how long is preseason going to be? Are you still going to have four weeks of preseason? See, these are the things you have to think about as a player because to really get the players ready, you're probably going to want two joint practices with somebody, two preseason games, one where your your starters actually play, one where nobody plays, you know. And then, because you you still have to be able to figure out your roster, you still have to be able to make the right decision on fifty three guys. Yeah, but you're still doing your OTAs and you're practicing around in shorts and May and April and right. June. And- yeah, and you know what that means? That means Jack Ditley. Really? I mean, you're running around in short. You're running around in underpants. Do you know how many guys look great in underpants I, listen, and don't and they get pads you, on? But are teams forming real? Evaluations, real opinions about their players based on what they're seeing in shorts and t-shirts. Are they doing it? Are they making real decisions? Yeah. No, they're making. Uh, I think this guy might be able to play. Okay. I, like w- when I was a, a old player, so I'm a I'm probably year twelve, and I'm sitting in my locker in just my shorts, right? Gut hanging. You can't even see my shorts. They look like a uh, they look like a g-string bikini because I'm so fat, right? Gut hanging all over. And they bring in this, they like they bring in this muscle pig. I mean, this kid, like he looks the part. Defensive lineman, probably six three. You know, six percent body fat. Got <laughs> yoked up arms, yoke up chest. Got a six pack, right? Veins on his belly. And you know, I'm like taking it all in. I'm like oogling this guy, right? <laughs> I'm like, damn, oogling. Is that a word? Oogle. I think it's ogling. Ogling. Yeah. But I like the way you, I like your word. Oogling, oogling, oogling. Let's go with Scott, oogling. can you look that up I for like me? Oogling. Let's go with oogling. Okay, so I'm ogle, oogle. Yeah, oogling. Ogle sounds more like ogre to me. Yeah, no, you're oogling him. I like this. Oogle. Keep going. Mm, sexy, yeah. right? He looks good. Yeah. He's got the kind of body that I wish I had, like the kind that you look at in the magazine, like in Muscle and Fitness, and you're like, damn, he must work out, right? So I'm oh, looking stop at it. You dude. looked like that one time. Right. But I'm looking at this guy. He did. And, folks. you know, I'm, I'm eyeballing. I'll go from oogling to eyeballing. <laughs> so I'm eyeballing this guy, right? And he looks at me like he wants to fight. He's like, what are you looking at? You know, he gives me one of these, you got something to say? What are you looking at? And I just said, hey, listen, youngster. Like, it's just been my experience in 12 years of playing this game that you got way too many muscles to be any good. <laughs> That's what I said to him. I go, I'm just letting you know. I mean, I'm just being frank with you. Way too many muscles to be any good at playing. And, you know, he's all pissy with me, right? But whatever. I don't, what, do I, what do I care? I'm making the team. Like, I'm the starting guard, right? He got cut three days later because he had a lot of muscles, but he couldn't move. Did he, he ever was, make it in the league? No, hell no. no, he didn't make it in the league. He had too many muscles to be any good at the league, right? So you, he looked apart, though, right? The point is, in shorts and a T-shirt, and he looked like maybe he could play. We put pads on, and guess what he couldn't do? He couldn't actually play. And the only way to truly evaluate, it's like it's like the draft, Mike. What you're saying is, hey, we would be really successful in the draft if we just did it off a stopwatch. And guess what happens when, when you draft stopwatch players? You get players that can't play football. You get players that are really good track athletes. And, and, and you know, so do I think that you can officially, um, you know, do I think you can officially – 
you just gauge like you get an idea of who you think might be good, but you don't really know until you actually you know start playing in pads and and hitting each other. Well, okay, that's all well and good, and all you're right. speaking as a former player, and you're talking about all the things that uh, you know have to happen that make sense. I'm speaking as a fan, mm-hmm. and I'm speaking for all the, the the other fans out there that are all listening right now. We want to go to 18 games, okay? And the other thing that's being talked about that I absolutely love the idea, but I'm wondering what you think, is there also is talk behind the scenes of expanding the playoff pool from 12 to 14 teams. No. So seven I, I teams. I hate that. I hate right? that. Really? Why? 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 You, you, wait a minute. So you as a player, you go through all the drudgery of the offseason, training camp, mm-hmm. the long 16, soon-to-be 18-game season, wouldn't you like to have increased chances of being able to play in the playoffs? Is that what it's all about? I don't want to diminish what the regular season means. I don't want to diminish winning football games when it matters. I don't want to reward mediocrity. Hey, you're 8-8, eight and eight, you're 7-9, and nine. you're in! Congratulations! Right? I want the regular season to mean something. I want to tune... I don't want this to be the NBA... The M- okay, the NBA, what do we watch? We watch Christmas Day games because we're all off, and it's kind of the official start, even though they started a month earlier or whatever it was. Whoa. I had a spillage there. Droppage. Hold on. Timeout. Oof, sorry. So we had uh, – it's okay. Everybody, everybody was okay. That was just oh, – oh, oh. So He's adorable. We had <laughs> – We've had, like, hey, we watch in December. It started a month and a half ago or whatever, but that's the official start. And then we put it away until, all right, let's see the last couple weeks of the season. Who's in the play? I don't want to reward mediocrity. The thing that's beautiful about the NFL is every game counts. Every game is meaningful. Like, like, come on. You lose week one and everybody goes, oh, there's a, you know, there's now there's only a 62% chance of making the playoffs. Like, it's panic in the streets of London. I love that aspect about the National Football League. Why why would you want to water it down and diminish that, Mike? Because you want to keep, because the fan, you want to keep the fans engaged. You want the fans to have hope. You want the fans to be able to, to, to believe that, hey, if this happens and that happens, we still have a chance. And you know what? If, if you're team gets into the playoffs we, we got enough people out there listening right now who are hockey fans basketball fans mm-hmm. baseball fans let me tell you if your team has a chance the last week of the season to get into the playoffs even if it's an eight seed or it's as the second wild card team nobody's going to be sitting around if their team gets in saying yeah we got in but you know you know we were, we're only two games over 500 nobody cares we're in Let's go. It's the playoffs. Anything can happen. We're in. Well, let's just so if you the increase, season if and you put increase, everybody in the playoffs, everybody wins. And then we'll get, you know what we'll do? We'll give everybody a certificate of participation. Hey, congratulations. You made the playoffs. You can pin this up on your wall. Then we can have, we can be hanging banners, playoff banners for teams that didn't even like, hey, we're a six and 10 playoff banner team. Like, let's hang up from the rafters. We won't put the record on. We'll just say playoffs. You know, we'll pick. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. but you're but you're saying okay, like if we go into the final, I can I can basically predict right now that as we let's say go into the the, the last two or three weeks of the regular season football, uh-huh. AFC or NFC or maybe both, there will be six teams with a chance to get in to the wild card. Six, right. Right. As of right now, uh, two of those teams get in as wild card. All right, 
you're, you're telling me that if a third team gets in, you know, three or four teams still get left out. Are you telling me that somehow hurts the integrity of the, the regular season? The games are still going to matter. They're going to matter a ton. I personally don't like that. And, you know, I don't, I just don't like, re- I don't like expanding it to the point where it feels like it waters it down for me. And, you know, and, and maybe one more team isn't, isn't going to do that maybe, but I kind of like, again, I have the player's mentality where if we make the playoffs, great, let's go, let's, you know, hell bent for election. But if we don't, it's not all bad. Like I get the day I get, I'm, I'm going to go get my surgery and start recovering for next year. Right. I mean, so I, you know, I have mixed emotions about it, but I just, I don't want to water. I don't ever want to water down the importance of every game. I mean, it's one of the things that I loved about playing in the NFL. You lose one game during the regular season, man, and it is like coaches on you. It's like, you know, push the panic button. And just that sense of urgency is probably where I get this chicken little mentality, like the sky is always falling, you know. I just am always nervous about stuff. But I, I just think there's I think there's beauty in that. I think it's I think it's different for um I, I just think it's different than a lot of the major sports, basketball, hockey, and um uh, and not so much baseball, but um, baseball is a little different animal because so many games it just becomes, you know, there comes a, a time where you can just check out for six weeks and check back in later, you know, and see where we are. But you know it. Come on, you're you're you live in the TV world now. Sure. So an extra two playoff teams means what? More playoff games, more revenue, better for television, which ultimately higher means, TV ratings, which ultimately means TV better rates. for who? For me. For you. And for me, the fans. And for you, the fan. That's why it's going to happen. You, uh, you, hey, you, wait you, a minute. If you can give me the player's perspective all you Are you saying you I'm going to get more money if I... Uh, there's a chance. All right, I'm in. All right. Let's do seven but, games. By the way, seven. I'll leave you with this. Yeah. Um, according to the uh, wise guys in Vegas, the two teams that have the most money coming in on them for the Super Bowl, the Bears, uh-huh. and believe the hype, the hype is real, the Browns. Those are two loyal fan bases right there, right? Those are just like, hey, man, we're putting money on our team. The Browns are just like, we have been so god-awful for so long. We're just excited to be relevant in the in the news talk or in the media talk, yep. right? And the Bears, I mean, that's just a huge fan base as well, and they're excited about their defense and excited about their young quarterback and so um, that is it, it's crazy though, right? I Vegas mean, must be loving this. Go yeah. ahead, please bring that, it in. Right, come on, Brown fans. Right. There's a reason. There is a. There's a reason. Like we went to Vegas. I was doing this this motorcycle jump. Robbie Madison. I don't know if you, it was really cool. I was on ESPN at the time. It was a New Year's Eve. He's gonna set the world record for the longest motorcycle jump. Right. It was a. It was a cool event. It was fun to be a part of. And Robbie's a great guy, and he is absolutely you know batshit crazy. Right. I mean, <laughs> he's just crazy. So anyhow, we're we're doing this, and my son gets his Christmas money, you know, so he's got however many hundreds of dollars he has from Christmas, you know, grandparents and everything else. So he blows it all in the first night. Like he's, he blows it all in Vegas, you know, gambling. And so I'll never forget. Cause I, I had this cold and I was like every, every moment I had where I wasn't prepping for the thing I was sleeping. Like I just felt like crap. 
and there's a knock on my door. I'm in the middle of a nap. You know, the blinds are shut. We're in the hotel room and, you know, whatever hotel we're in, uh, the, the MGM or whatever we're in, right? And so I, you know, come up to the door. I'm just, like, shuffling my feet. I'm in my underpants, you know, sweating through a T-shirt, you know, because I don't feel well. And there's my son, my adorable son. He's in college at the time, right? I'm like, what? He goes, Dad, I need to talk to you. Like, what? Come in. He goes, I need to borrow a thousand dollars. And I was like, what? He goes, I need to borrow a thousand bucks. Like, what are you talking about? He goes, I figured it out. I figured it out. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, I lost all my money, but I've got it figured out. I know how to make it all back and then some. Like, we're, like we're going into business together, right? And he was dead serious. And so I said, come here, follow me, son. I opened up my window shade, you know, pull the window shade up. I go, what do you see out there? And he's like, well, I see the Vegas Strip. And I go, yeah, yeah, what else do you see? I see all these casinos and buildings. Yeah, I go, they built those off of dumbasses like you. I go, get the fuck out of my room. <laughs> I didn't give him two pennies, man. I was so irritated. Life lessons with Sting. Yeah, so like that, that is- Father uh, knows best. I apologize for using the F word, well, but it, it added to the dramatic yes, flair yeah, of the yeah, story. Yeah, so it just it delivered that, that yeah. extra punch. I love yeah. Jesus, but every yeah. now and I cuss a little bit, but yeah. I apologize. Right. You know, All He's right. going to forgive me. Yes. Um, Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Stink of Truth podcast, for Mike, for Scott, we thank you for listening. We thank you for watching. We appreciate it. We'll be back with you at the end of the week. We're going to try to do this. Me from L.A. and you, my friend, from uh, Denver. right here, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. So uh, we'll see if we can make this work. But anyhow, thank you so much for listening, for watching, and we'll be back with you later on in the week.